0: I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair and this is Rendering Unconscious Today's episode is a talk given by Peter Gray called Fly the Light presented at the Psychoanalysis Art and the Occult Conference held in London 2016 Peter Gray is an author and the co-founder of of the publishing company, Scarlet Imprint. His books include The Red Goddess, Apocalyptic Witchcraft, and Lucifer Princeps. His collected writings from 2008 to 2018, along with those of his partner, Alkistis Mech, are published in The Brazen Vessel. His work has also appeared in numerous journals and collections, such as Carl Abrahamson's The Fenris Wolf. On Sunday, September 19th, Peter Gray will be presenting his new book, The Two Antichrists, along with readings from Malchistus de Meck at Morbid Anatomy online via Zoom as part of Psych Art Cult 2021 Psychoanalysis, Art, and the Occult series held on Morbid Anatomy Museum Sundays this September. Opening with considerations on the future of witchcraft and its relation to radical ecology, Gray returns to the Babylon working, a series of magic rituals performed in 1946 by occultist, author, and rocket fuel scientist Jack Parsons and founder of Scientology L. Ron Hubbard, and considers a series of little examined texts from science fiction and the outer fringes of Scientology, exploring the role of the Antichrist in relation to Parsons and Hubbard Gray provides insights into the initiatory drama of Thelema and the long shadow cast by the monolith of Scientology. For more information, visit the Psych Art Cult website P-S-Y-C-H-A-R-T-C-U-L-T dot org To sign up for Peter Gray's event at Morbid Anatomy Visit their events page at morbidanatomy.org events. As with all Rendering Unconscious podcast episodes, there is a video of this episode at YouTube. Just search for Rendering Unconscious podcast at YouTube or head to Tripart Film's YouTube channel. That's T-R-A-P-A-R-T, film at YouTube. This talk is included in a collection of papers from the first Psychoanalysis Art in the Occult conference held in London 2016, a special edition of The Fenris Wolf, Volume 9. Links to this book can be found in the text accompanying this episode.
1: The occult is traditionally seen by its practitioners as an art of shadows. Their calling, casting, conversation, and compulsion. From the figures on the cave wall, to goetic ritual and necromantic inquiry, it is the shadow who has been our constant companion. Yet our companions have been anathematized. and so too of those of us who continue to traffic with them In that descriptor, I include psychoanalysts, occultists, and artists. Today, I will argue that the shadow has been largely excised in late capitalist culture and to make the counter-assertion that it is in the casting of shadows and the practice of the occult arts that we are the most complete. As occultists, we have developed a consistent set of strategies to navigate the unseen worlds. But these have a consistent physiological basis, which has been steadily eroded, both by the monoculture, and neglected by this generation of modern practitioners. Jung writes, again, I'm not gonna quote Freud today, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness Conscious. The latter procedure, however, is disagreeable and therefore not popular. Such an unpopular procedure is a hallmark of uh, the Eldritch realms of both psychoanalysis and the occult, the shadow being the unconscious, the devil with whom we seek conjuncture. It is what we fear. And despise, both within ourselves and in the culture. But magic remains wary of psychoanalysis, and one does not have to be a Foucault to discern the reasons why. Psychoanalysis is easy to see as part of a continuum of control mechanisms from state, church, school, factory, hospital, and prison. Another mechanism for producing and replicating compliant and well-adjusted workers. And from a witchcraft context, psychoanalysis is very much a descendant of the inquisition, relying heavily on the testimony of damaged women to articulate its script. As a cultist, our cure contains many of the performative and ritual elements the psychoanalysis is a talking cure entirely lax. But we are, for the most part, literate traditions with our jargons and procedures and our preoccupation with making the darkness become visible. Psychoanalysis and the occult have many points in common. But psychoanalysis sought to exercise us and perhaps continues to do so in search of its own credibility. The occult could be described as the shadow of psychoanalysis. James Hillman, who remains popular in occult circles, wrote in 1976, some people in desperation have turned to witchcraft, magic, and occultism, to drugs and madness, anything to rekindle imagination to find a world in soul but these reactions are not enough. What is needed is a revisioning, a fundamental shift of perspective out of that soulless predicament that we call modern consciousness. So Hillman disses drugs, sex, magic, the occult, happily. But we have exactly the techniques and the answers that Hillman was looking for. Though I am mindful that modern occultism remains as reactive, immature, an ill starred as the culture within which it is nested. Psychoanalysis, as perhaps this conference shows, must ultimately accept its Caliban. And Shakespeare gives us the simple ritual formula: this thing of darkness I acknowledge mine. If we're looking for a statement, a statement of intent for our shadow work. And perhaps a worthy statement of intent for this conference, then Shakespeare provides it. Jung writes Everyone carries a shadow, and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. The shadow appears as a rupture, a criminality, a mark of the primitive and the less ideal man an idea that is contiguous with Kristeva's idea of the semiotic, which, and I quote, contains childish or primitive qualities which would vitalize and embellish human existence, but convention forbids it. I observe here that the occult in the modern world is taking on an even darker expression. There's a tendency to fall in thrall to the shadow and to transfer our loyalty to it But as serious occultists, our goal is not to be subsumed in the shadow, but to be able to employ it at our bidding. As Jung observes, a man who is possessed by his own shadow is always standing in his own light and falling into his own traps. Ours, then, is a difficult task, the navigation of edge states in the pursuit of power. I purposefully do not say self knowledge or self realization, which may occur as side effects, but power, which is always the aim of the cult practice. The site of inquiry is located in the body, because it is the body that partakes of the threshold of life and death and is constructed of a pattern of light and shadow. Moving on to uh, the body of, shadow, body of surfaces. Michael Myler, in his emblem book Atlantia Fugiens, states in the Epigraph 55 <coughs> the sun and its shadow complete the work. This is a quote taken from the Araeus, written by the even more shadowy Hermes Trismegistus, who advises us to extract from the rain its shadow. Jung, having read The Alchemists, describes the shadow as the necessary component of a three-dimensional body. And it's Jung's idea of the shadow as part of a three-dimensional body, which really intrigued me when I was researching this piece. The human body is a known one. The shadow is what places us in time and space. By reading the shadow, we know both who we are and where we are in relation to the light. The shadow revolves with the cosmic machinery. But the body is not a standing stone. It articulates a contrasting set of meanings, of stories and deceptions. The shadow is a dynamic form, which the practitioner must learn to manipulate, or risks being manipulated by, the shadow is one of the better ways that we can communicate with subtle intelligences. However, my contention is that in the digital age, the shadow itself has been excised. The seeming aim of late capitalist culture is to produce what I've termed the body of services, by which I mean a virtual body. A virtual body that, by definition, can cast no shadow. It is entirely untethered from the relationship with light and shade the body forwards and that the heavens enact. In alchemical terms, the body of surfaces partakes of no natural processes, meaning it is entirely inert. And nor is this body entitled to a shadow in the panopticon of the modern world, where it is lit from every direction. As moderns, we're becoming a screen for images that are projected onto us and onto our increasingly barren environment. There is simply no shadow play possible in the digital sensorium. As the old Tokyo proverb states, our enemies are flat. But to this, we can now add, and so are our friends. And so are we. (laughs) Our dreams are essentially being constructed for us by algorithms and are becoming indistinguishable from our diminished waking state, which is fractured by the small demands and gifts of uh, mobile phone interactions. We find subtlety is lost in blank text, an exchange that's based on the banality of gifts and the use of crass emoticons. In our culture, the shadow has simply been swiped away. Therefore, the first paradoxical task for us in approaching the shadow is to recognise the body again. This is an issue that Freud and Jung never faced. The body itself has become the shadow in our world, and it has both waned and bloated. As a society, we find ourselves skinny fat, presenting a form which is idealized in the digital world, but on the other side of the screen, and without the Photoshop filters, is depressed, diseased, degenerate, and poverty-stricken. We are witnessing the entire loss of the body, and with it, the shadow, and this reflects the changing shape of capitalism, with robotisation destroying jobs, manual factory work, and the professions as well. The erasure of the body is achieved by destruction of differences that accomplishes the triumph of the monoculture. It is a step towards our bio as production units or sources of value. The body itself is becoming surplus to requirements. That is, unless you wish to utilise its occult powers or its creative powers. Magic, art and analysis may seem to be the only things that computers cannot perform. Much of our social life is also relegated to this artificial world which undeniably enables connection, but never allows consummation, for which we require shadows, for which we require flesh, and for which we require place. This will be the shape of the next revolution, which we see presaged politically by occupied and currently in France with the need to be, and magically with what's happening with the witchcraft revival. The most radical use of the internet is a means of coordinating physical bodies in actual space. A chimera, such as this conference, is a demonstration that that's possible. I'm delighted that on a Friday, on a work day, we've managed to get the same bodies in place. So what I would argue is that we categorically don't require more information. We require as a culture more context, and that context is provided by the three-dimensional body and is explored through the use of the shadow arts. For my specialty in the occult, I argue that we require a renewed physical practice of restorative movement patterns, of an attention to diet, to breath, which have become largely the provenance of the high resonance narcissists of the New Age and of the immortalist corporate high achievers. We've seen an almost total loss of physical culture in the occult and in the broader wasteland of paganism. We seem to have forgotten that witchcraft was once identical to anathematized forms of dance, whether La Volta, the Saraband, or more rustic realms, all of which require physical, moving bodies. Shadows, by their nature, are not fixed things, but live and dance. So I can state categorically that the realm of the flesh is the realm of the shadow. In a Christian sense, matter is an illusory form that clothes the Holy Spirit. And in digital culture, the body is a meat sack, and the digital identity is where truth is to be sought. Mine, then, is a strictly satanic conception, a return to the body, and a return to the world as the site of being. Such a view of an occult anatomy does not jump into all Eastern ideas of chakras or belts or wheels or sheets or any of this nonsense But begins with the body itself and the body in relation to place. The occult has failed in seeking after this magical body. The shadow, it has been unable to relate to the physical body which casts it. This is a fundamental error which digital culture is magnifying as a status game, played with no requirement to demonstrate proofs by an increasingly sick and dislocated population. whose very starting point is a complete alienation from the corporeal. What I see often with occultists is that they're, they're awakening into the occult, the, the shamanic crisis that we had described earlier often coincides with a complete rejection of the body, a complete rejection of corporeal culture. And I'm not suggesting that the occult body needs to conform to any kind of Greek ideal, because the body and occult power often comes through being deeply hurt, through the the crisis states. But that doesn't mean that we can't then pursue physical excellence, in ability to function as effective ritualists. In fact, one could argue the ritual is accomplished by dance, by sound and sign-making, all of which are attributes of the dynamic body in motion. With intent and training, these can extend from the body into the shadow and then be projected as a cult power. This is the shape of our earliest forms of ritual. If we don't have to go back to the cave and imagine us observing our shadows as we dance and tell stories. So how can we as sorcerers, whose art is that of the shadow, work with this most enduring forms? What strategies and ritual responses can we use to destroy the tyranny of the body of surfaces? How can we, as Jung suggests, repossess the shadow as the necessary component of a three-dimensional body? And I've talked of the body as, as the shadow, but the shadow reveals the body. The intense concealed within form, we often talk about the aura of an individual but the shadow is often far more eloquent when I'm in the audience at these conferences I spend most of my time looking at the shadows of the presenters um, and uh, watching watching what's going on with them (laughs) (laughs) so witchcraft can be seen as an art of being able to like draw shadows out of something or revealing what's been concealed from a client or what's being concealed from us. And in traditional witchcraft, we also understand that the shadow itself is vulnerable. Vulnerable to injury and death. So, if our shadows have been abducted by the body of surfaces, then we need to find them again. Along with our ideas of secrecy, of agency, and of discretion. In working with the demonised forms of sexuality, the drives, and let's be frank as we're among friends, the demons, we allow the shadow to manifest and to become more solid. When I talked earlier about the more antinomian forms of the occult, these can be considered a vital coagulation a response to the nature of the culture that we find ourselves within. Furthermore, the shadow itself can provide counter-magic or lay a curse upon the prevailing culture. The living shadow can disrupt the hierarchy or the ratio of the senses. So rather than meditating on the candle flame, we can observe the shadows around it. Rather than Making our adorations to the sun or the moon, we can look at the shadows that
0: are casting. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a talk by Peter Gray. For more, visit his publishing company's website, scarletimprint.com. You can also visit the Psychoanalysis Art and the Occult site at psychartcult.org. And join us for Peter Gray's presentation, The Two Antichrists, at Morbid Anatomy Museum, online, Sunday, September 19th. Sign up at Morbid Anatomy events, morbidanatomy.org events. Links to everything can be found in the text accompanying this episode. You can visit my website, drvanessasinclair.net, or the podcast main website, renderingunconscious.org, for links and more information. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RawSin underscore. That's R-A-W-S-I-N underscore. Rendering Unconscious is also a book. Rendering Unconscious, Psychoanalytic Perspectives, Politics, and Poetry. From Tripart Books, 2019. For more information, you can visit our publisher's website, That's trapart.net. That's T-R-A-P-A-R-T dot net. You can support the podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa 23 Carl. That's V-A-N-E-S-S-A two three c-a-r-l your support is very appreciated thank you so much for supporting Rendering Unconscious podcast and all of my other creative endeavors and now the psychic sensor from the album this is voyeurism a collaboration I did with Pete Murphy you can find this album and our other work at our Highbrow Lowlife Bandcamp page. That's highbrowlowlife.bancamp.com The psychic sensor. Wishing to remove ego-oriented, logical thought processes as much as possible. A singular, poetic vision. Integral to life. Break down the false division between life and art. Inspiration. Attitude. Refine it, integrate it into your vision. Echoes. 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 Free reign within the creative process. Create universes of your own. Creative impulse and intuitive decisions totally aware of his power, of his intelligence, of memory, knowledge, and suffering, curious, the misery of life, innovative. Meticulously planned and laid out. Leaving nothing to chance. Leaving everything to chance. Focusing on the imagery. Catapulted into the public domain. Viewers were outraged. They had never seen this kind of art and did not understand how to relate to it.